independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Rick Shea. Shea is a journeyman guitarist, multi-instrumentalist, producer, writer, and singer who wields his Telecaster with a deft touch reminiscent of Mark Knopfler and the best of Bakersfield twangers. He grew up in San Bernardino, California, back when the town was an outpost at the very farthest reaches of Los Angeles' empire. San Bernardino in 1978 was still home to honky-tonks and truck stops where country music found fertile ground. He cut his teeth playing folk music in coffee houses and soon found work in the country music scene, sometimes playing seven nights a week. Aside from his work with alt-country pioneer Dave Alvin and R.E.M., Shea has recorded several albums of his own songs and still actively plays around the Southwest and beyond with his band, The Losin' End. His newest record, Shelter Valley Blues, includes performances from members of Los Lobos. Welcome to Independence Day, Rick. Joe, thank you very much. It's Glad an, to be here. It's an honor to have you here. It's an honor to have a guitarist of your caliber in our studio tonight, and I'm looking forward to hearing you, you play live for us. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. My pleasure. So, um, you know, doing research, you, you grew up in San Bernardino, which is, at the time, seems like it probably was kind of separate from Los Angeles. I mean, how how, how separate did it feel when you, when you were coming up back then? Oh, um, it was, you know, we definitely knew we were not you know, part of Los Angeles, uh-huh. but, uh, I mean, I was still very aware through, um, you know, radio and, uh, through just, you know, uh, magazines and newspapers of what was going on in Los Angeles. And uh-huh. I, I think we all were, you know, so having it, I'm sure having it that close certainly had an effect, you know, on the culture. I mean, even if it was on the fringes of the empire, you know, a lot of bands would come through there, I'm sure. It kind of depends on what uh, um, uh, style of music you're talking about. If uh, you're talking about uh, country music, it sort of kind of existed, you know, the country music scene there at the time that, you know, I kind of fell into sort of existed uh, a little bit separately. Um, I mean, just in the sense that there, were, there was a pretty strong scene of, of country you know, bars, nightclubs, and and dance places out there. The Brandon Iron, that uh, actually is still going on, has been uh, reopened, but uh, in its original um, uh, version or phase, it was uh, the band there, the house band there, used to win um, from the uh, uh, country music, so the West Coast Country Music Association. They used to win house band of the year every couple of years from, you know, the Palomino Riders yeah, of Palomino yeah. Club were the were really the top band and they won it most years, but every second, third or fourth year the the band at the Branding Iron would win it out there. So there was there was a bit of a scene out there. You yeah. Know? And there's you know, for, there's a big scene in Bakersfield as well. I mean, was it a similar kind of scene to what was going on? Because Bakersfield had its own sound. I mean that was probably that was a little earlier. That was, you know, Buck going back to the probably early sixties. Um, I mean, was it a similar kind of thing to the Bakersfield sound, or was it, you know, because there's the whole... Well, like, that was that was very, very popular uh, still at the time, and, uh-huh. and has continued to be. I mean, it's that's uh, the country music, you know, that's a, a big part of California's contribution mm-hmm. to country music, and the sound of country music is... Uh, the uh, the sound of those records from uh, um, Buck Owens and Merle Haggard and 
you know, you know, earlier than that, uh, Wynn Stewart and all of the Bakersfield artists, which, yeah. you know, incidentally, of course, was, you know, very little of that was actually recorded in Bakersfield. Most right. of that was recorded in Southern California, quite yeah. a bit of Capital, Capital Studios. Well, Gold. it's not that far away. I mean, you figure if there's a good studio, why, why put a good studio in a Bakersfield if Los Angeles is, what yeah, is, it? That, is it 60 that was miles, maybe 90 miles? I'm not even sure. And, exactly. and there, there just really weren't any facilities there, and the, the studios were here in Los Angeles, and yeah. they were already here. So but, Right. Uh, yeah, it's very, very close. Truck, truck them, import the musicians instead of trying to truck the gear up there. Driving over the grapevine. That's right, driving over the grapevine. I, I took my mother over the, for the first time over the grapevine in her first visit here. And it's if you've never seen the San Joaquin Valley coming over the grapevine, the first time you see it, when you wind down that really steep downhill, and then it's laid out before you, and it's flat and hazy, and, you know, and, the, and that's when you see the five. It goes straight as a ruler as far as the eye can see and just disappears into the valley. It's an awesome sight. It's an awesome sight. And that used to be the two-lane road, the original uh, grapevine road, the original two-lane blacktop road up through there. Coincidentally, uh, although this is my only California connection other than the fact that I moved out here eventually, is that my grandfather was born in Bakersfield, California. My great-grandfather was a railroad man at the time, so that was, you know, they moved back. I mean, I'm not even—they're from the North Alabama area, um, and that's where my great-grandfather, or it's where my grandfather identifies, and that's where he—that's that's his identity. But it's just funny to think that, like, it's—I wouldn't call it full circle, but that's kind of my, my nascent California connection. Uh, the San Joaquin Valley uh, um, was uh, a lot of people— migrated and immigrated to the uh, um, San Joaquin Valley for work, for jobs. Railroad was huge. San Bernardino was a big railroad town. Um, But in the San Joaquin Valley, of course, you had all of the farm work and the farm workers, and that's what... uh, that's what um, Buck Owens' family came out for. That's what Merle Haggard's family came out yeah. for. That's what uh, that's what people came out for, you know. So what specifically do you think, growing up when you did in San Bernardino, what effect did that have on you musically? Like, how did that, you know, we've talked about these different bands that were in and out of there, but what, what effect did these things have on you and your development? The biggest effect for me was just there were these places that were available to play. Um, uh, you know, there was... It was quite a bit different. Well, maybe not quite a bit, but it's certainly different than it is today. Um, you know, I I played you know acoustic guitar in in sort of coffee house settings, you know, during high school and then just when I first got out of high school, and uh, and then within a few years, um, you know, I I played. I had little bands of my own, and we would play sort of little weekend jobs, but. Uh, um, Within a few years, I kind of just fell into playing uh, these country bars. Yeah. Um, a lot of them were truck stop bars. A lot of them were a little rough, but uh, they played. Uh, there was music. They um, seven nights a week in these places, yeah. and uh, uh, that was kind of that was the biggest you know thing for me. Was I mean I could just get out there and and play, and that's really. Where I got uh, um, introduced to a lot of these songs. I mean, I, I certainly knew of the songs, and but I didn't grow up in a family yeah. uh, that was, uh, um, you know, listening to country music. Yeah. So, because in, in the coffee houses, were you playing like Dylan, and then make the switch to Merle? Sure. Or like, is that yeah. How it well, you know, I, I kind of came into the um, Merle Haggard, I think, through um, 
the Grateful Dead. Really? Yes, playing Mama Tried and uh-huh. uh, and a few of those songs. And I was certainly aware of Merle Haggard, but I, I was pretty young, and I don't know that I was ready to take it all really seriously yet. But uh, then I, I, I heard the Flying Burrito Brothers' uh-huh. first album and Buffalo Springfield and just... You know, I mean, I loved that, so it was a pretty easy transition. But then, you know, making the 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 leap, you know, to listen to the um, top forty country radio, which I did in high school, was it was a little bit of a stretch. But uh, it's, it's it's an acquired taste, you know. I I didn't grow up. I mean, li- listen, I still don't listen to like the hot country or whatever that is so much. I mean, I do turn it on and listen to the. I love to listen to the players. Uh, just to, to hear how they arrange the songs and how, because, you know, you've got, you know, what's Brent Mason and you've got Paul Franklin and you've got these callist guys. Just, they get, their solos are so short, so they have to get these crazy, awesome the little licks into these little best short, musicians like, in history. Four yeah. bar, you know, and, and people don't give them credence, I don't think, enough because, you know, the chord changes aren't terribly complex. The jazz guys, you know, bust the nuts of country guys constantly. But, you know, they're, they've got to squeeze all, they don't have six choruses to develop their their improvisation they, they've got get to four the bars <laughs> boom I mean, if that you know or they trade off you know then the in the you know one of my favorite country tricks is in the second you know in the second verse how they'll trade off like the, the phrases between the vocal phrases the first one will be the violin and he's got three notes to make his little his or her little point and then it'll be the steel guy the next and then it'll be the guitar guy the next and then that's such a skill you know these players are so seasoned. Those guys, and are, so those guys are really, really good at that. Um, I, I don't listen to a lot of commercial country music either. Uh, it's uh, um, I, I have I don't have any problem with it. It's it's certainly successful and you know it's certainly appealing. I know to um, you know plenty of people. There's plenty of people that are fans of it and everything. But uh, you know the country music that I like that I listen to is either. Um, you know, kind of, you know, friends of mine that are working right. sort of on the level that, you know, we all are kind of a grassroots sort of level or older records, you know, I yeah. mean, there's just, you know, I mean, you know, besides the old records that I've, you know, always listened to and, and kind of loved, I mean, there's, there's just a, a, a huge wealth of, you know, yeah. old music to continue to discover and everything. So yeah, and you yourself are are no slouch of a guitar player, no slouch of a writer. And I'd like to give our listeners just a little taste of that right now. Let's oh, thanks, play some, yeah. Let's play something from your most recent record, which is called Shelter Valley Blues. We're going to play the title track off of this record, which is coincidentally called Shelter Valley Blues. This came out in '09. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So let's roll with this. This is Rick Shea on Independence Day with Shelter Valley Blues. Seen storms roll across this lonesome valley. Felt thunder rattle right down to my floor. I laid awake and heard the howling of the coyotes out prowling and the dust and devils right outside my door. They say this ain't no place for fools or dreamers, but a foolish dream is all I ever known I came looking here for shelter from the sun and sand and swelter the 
trouble that still haunts me to my bones. Well, I walked into the fire, slightly stoned and slightly wired, trying to lose myself in masculine and booze. Now I've got no recollection of my death or resurrection, but I damn sure got the shelter valley blues. Salvation, like pilgrims stumble through a field of stone. Pretty soon you see him fall. Pretty soon you see him crawl. Pretty soon you see him even here alone. She always said someday she'd try to find him. She said no matter what that she'd be true. But I've forgotten all those lies The truth was written in her eyes And anyway, I've got no more that I can lose Well, I walked into the fire Slightly stoned and slightly wired Tried to lose myself in mescaline and booze Now I've got no recollection Of my death or resurrection But I damn sure got Shelter Valley Blues Yeah, I walked into the fire Slightly stoned and slightly wired Lose myself in mescaline and blues Now I've got no recollection Of my death or resurrection But I damn sure got the Shelter Valley Blues Yeah, I damn sure got the Shelter Valley Blues That is Rick Shea. You are listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. I am your host every Wednesday night here on Lancer Radio from 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific Time. Tonight is a special Tuesday edition, which has something to do with soccer scheduling and college radio, which I'd care not to get into at this time. But we are very, very thankful that Rick was able to move his schedule as well to accommodate us and come with us on Tuesday night. So again, Rick, welcome to Independence Day. Thank you so very much for being here. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. And that's a great track. That is the title track from your most recent record, Shelter Valley Blues. And I can't speak highly enough of your guitar playing on that particular track. Very Knopfler-esque, and I don't want to keep just dropping that name, but he's someone that when I think of consummate guitar playing and on, like underplaying when it's appropriate, and like, but it's, they're not underplaying because they can't play more than they do. They're playing because they're a mature musician, and you have, you have that in spades. So excellent, excellent guitar work. Well, that's, that. a, that's a very uh, complimentary um, comparison. Comparison. I, I, I thank you very much for that. Uh, Mark Knopfler is a tremendous guitar player, and any comparison is very flattering. But uh, thank you. But uh, you're welcome. And, and, and I, I wouldn't throw that out lightly. You know, that's that's. I know what I, I'm saying when I can. When I say he's that a, you yeah, he's that. great. And I, I guess you know. I mean, uh, you know, I just 
um, you know, for me, and, and it's it's a little bit more difficult for me to talk about when I'm, you know, talking about myself as an artist. I, you know, I just kind of get in there and just kind of sort through things. But I can think a little more objectively, you know, sometimes maybe when I'm working with somebody else and I'm, yeah. I'm just, you know, working as a guitar player. And I, I just, if, you know, somebody has a good song and, you know, it, and it stands up well as a song to me, you know, it, it usually will stand up by itself with just an acoustic guitar performance and a right. vocal. And, you know, if it does that, then to me it just, you know, it usually doesn't need a whole lot, you yeah. know. Because you've, you've spent, you know, you've produced a bunch of records as well. How many, I know, do you produce your own records? I do. I've, I've even uh, going back when I, I didn't really take credit for it, I, I, I really have been, you know, uh, you know, producing my own records or, or, or doing, you know, quite a bit of it, you know, from the beginning, yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you, are you able to, like, do, when you think of it and when you're working on your own records, I mean, it's obviously easier to have that objectivity when you're working on other people's records, but when you're working on your own music, I mean, do you, I mean, I kind of, I mean, I think of it literally as a hat. It's like, I'll be, okay, I'm, I'm going into play now. And like, and at that point, you know, when I'm going to record tracks, I kind of lean on the engineer. Okay, like I get an engineer that I trust and say, okay, I need you to listen to this performance because I'm going to be a performer now for the next five minutes. And then we'll come back and listen in the, in the control room and say, okay, then I can kind of put on my producer's hat and say, okay, well, that's sped up here, it's slowed down there, but that's okay. But then this, you know, there's a wrong chord there. Let's go back in and redo it. Do you, I mean, what's your metaphor? Do you? No, that's exactly right. That's what, uh, you know, very much what it's like is, you know, to kind of switch back and forth and, and, and put on the different hats. But, uh, um, and to be able to have another set of ears there in the studio that, uh, you know, can uh, give you good, reliable feedback like that is uh, um, really worthwhile. Now, the last couple of years, I've started recording, you know, myself. So now I'm kind of in there by myself. So, you know, it is yeah. it is a little strange. Uh, it can be isolating now, the way the, way the technology is. Are you, now, are you, how old school are you? Have you embraced, <clears throat> excuse me, have you embraced digital technology are you recording on pro tools are you oh yeah i'm on... working on pro tools okay. and uh um i i you could say i embraced it from the beginning um uh i mean as soon as i saw the uh, capabilities of um editing in in pro tools you know i knew that it wasn't going to yeah. go back the other direction yeah you know and so you know even you know i i kind of agreed with you know some people you know in the beginning that you know uh, as far as the tone and, and audio quality, it wasn't quite there, and it yeah. took a few years to kind of get there. But, uh, um, it, it, yeah, it's just, I mean, it, it allows you just so much, uh, you know, um, you know, freedom, you know, as, as yeah. far as, as editing and, and putting things. Not that I'm a big fan of that, and I try and do as right. little as possible. I, I refer to Pro Tools as a, uh, I, well, I use Pro Tools as a glorified tape machine. You know, it's just a it's a fancy tape machine. It gives me when I want that other flexibility to do other editing things and and fix things that I I, I feel are egregiously bad. It gives me the ability to sure. do. Sure, but I, I use it like a glorified tape machine. And you can, I mean, it just to me it makes it easier to get uh, the performance that you're going for. You know, and I mean, if you do, you know, four or five, maybe six, maybe eight or ten takes of a song and then kind of comp it together from that yeah. it's not you know i mean the performance is there you know the singer did sing that song right. you know the uh, um you know the guitar player did play that song you know right. or did, did play that part 
you know, not from the beginning till the end, you know, maybe. It's the same player playing the same song. Yeah, and, and, and you just you just get something that's, you know. And the other thing, that I, I you know, I, um, I, I try and keep in mind with my albums and, and anything that I'm working on is, uh, you know, you're not, you know, the person that you're competing with is not, you know, maybe yourself. The person you're competing with is, you know, everything that's out there being listened to, you know. Right. So to, to some extent, I, 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 I try and tell people you, you really have to get it as close to that level, you know, as, you know, you know, say Emmy Lou Harris, for instance, or, yeah. Mar- or Mark Knopfler. I mean, those, you know, I mean, you're, you may not be working on that level or, or, you know, certainly are not working with those people, but as, as far as getting any attention in the marketplace or on radio, that is who you're competing, you know, with time for. And so you, you really do need to yeah. keep that in mind and keep everything up as close to that level as, as you right. can get it. And, so. and it's a cost factor, too. I mean, it's really raised the bar on what you can do at home with a good set of ears and the necessary talent. It will never make up for those other things because you still have to hear what you're doing is inherently good or inherently less than good. But, you know, as long as you've got those other aspects, you can then use, you know, it's like like all technology, you can use its power for good or you can use its power for evil. Um, you know, even things like auto-tune, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I don't want to say it gets a bad rap because I myself complain about it up and down, I, 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 the way it's become its own style. But it is a useful tool because now, you know, we're making records in rapid amounts of time and... Do I know that if I'm producing a record, do I know that this singer can hit this particular note? Of course I know she can. She's a great singer. But I also know that she might have to get up and go to work the next day, or she might have to be getting into a van to go to the next show. And it allows me as the producer to go, okay, well, that was very good, but maybe it was just, I can hear it's five-ish cents flat. Then I can go back in and say, well, I, I know she can hit this note. It's not as if I feel like I'm being dishonest, but it's a way to save time and therefore save money, which then maybe allows her to promote the show a little bit more or buy a better guitar or make five more copies or pay the graphic designer more. Or, you know, it's this, it's this shell game of what, what your resources are. So I try to use its power for sure. Good. It's just, a, it's just a tool. And if you use it selectively, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. If it, uh, if it gets overused, like anything, yeah. it's, uh, you can, you can begin to hear it, and then you're just kind of in that world, and, and yeah. the music that uh, that I'm involved in, and and most of the people that I work with are involved in, is kind of based on folk music and 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 traditions of folk music that really just go back to a person sitting in a room with right. an instrument singing a song, you know, and you know the further removed from that that y- you get, then. Then the further removed from it you get, yeah. so it's just it becomes yeah. a different thing. You know? the, the way we've recorded has changed a little bit, but the with its the initial inspiration, the initial performance is essentially the same. At least oh, that's yeah. what we're starting with. You know, we want to keep that, keep the honesty there, and that's people a good thing. people howled about recording in the first place. Just even yeah. being being able to record was a big big deal. You know, and, and every time the medium has changed, people have certainly gotten up, upset about it but uh, I've always noticed like you know there's that uh, Native American adage that you know a picture steals a little bit of your soul every time that you, you take a picture of something but I've never wondered they never seem to have an issue with recording your voice it doesn't really I never heard anything about it stealing your voice or stealing your um, your artistic voice you know I found that kind of interesting because it's it's the same kind of thing you're, you're capturing 
something. It is very much, yes, yes. Um, you know, and it maybe it's, it's maybe because it's a moving, living thing that you can't really take that. You can't take it all away because it's still going to be living and moving. You know, that's the difference I think between um, music and painting. You know, when you paint, unless you're an avant-garde painter of some sort who's always working on the same painting eternally through your life once you paint a painting at one point you put down the brush and you are done and you could say that an album is like that once you're done recording you kick it out the door but then you can go back and play that song again change the key change the time signature change little elements about it and every time you do play it even if you're trying to play it the same exact way you won't it'll be slightly different it's a, that's what I love about music it's a living breathing changing art form that grows and changes with time yeah, very much so, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get off my profundity. <laughs> I'll leave the profundity at the door. I'm, I'm, I'm getting off on that tangent. So, you, you know, you've talked about using Pro Tools. What was your first, you know, what was your first recording setup like at home? Was it, I mean, did you get jump in when it was still reel-to-reels, or was it a cassette oh, thing? Oh, no, or? no. I, this is a recent, there's a very recent thing for me. This, so it's only about uh, the last four years. Okay. That is so I, I just uh, um, I I picked up a, a, a Pro Tools rig, a friend of mine through a friend of mine, and uh, um, and I've upgraded once since then. Uh, but uh, I had been working closely in it on all the the, the records that uh, that I and, and recordings that I've been working on. So I was I was already very familiar with you know what it could do and and, yeah. and base. So it, for me, a lot of it was just okay. I I know. What it can do, I just got to, how do I get there and how do I do that in here? So That's interesting because you usually don't hear a lot of people who record at home who, I mean, I guess maybe more musician types because the people I freaking spent a lot of time with are people who were, they were always kind of engineers. They were players, engineers all the way going back to wherever. So they started out with, you know, like Tom Petty, I remember reading an article with him where back, you know, this was early 70s, but he had two like cassette player boom boxes. And he would record a part onto one, play the first one, and then rec- play live in the room. So he was essentially overdubbing himself, and he would just go oh, back yeah. and forth from from boombox to boombox until he got what he wanted to get out of it. Which I've, is I've done that, but I I, I avoided uh, um, recording at home as you know for a long time, as long as you could. I I, I kind of did because uh, it does require a whole different you know uh, way of thinking, and it, and it and there was a. There was you know, certainly a learning curve to get up to yeah. speed and everything, you know. But uh, now that I've done it, I'm I'm really happy about yeah. it, and it's and it's opened up a whole world of possibilities and 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 opportunities and everything, you know. That uh, you know, you know, since I've done that, so yeah. And boy, boy, it can be uh, it can be what do they call it? Uh, like a, a time or a money suck. It can be like a black hole of money. Once you start that home studio, it's like there's always that next mic that you want to get, or always there, a new there set of is, monitors. Or yeah, always. and you you certainly step into that world, but uh, they, um, don't they call it gear acquisition syndrome, I think. Yeah, yeah but see, I, I was already a guitar player, so I already I already had guitar ac- ac- yeah. acquisition syndrome. So yeah. it's just which is very very similar. It's a similar thing. It's similar, so yeah, it's just another facet of it. So so you know, since you got into the technology fairly recently. Um, how else has technology changed about during the time that you've been doing what you've been doing? Because you've been a professional musician for how long, do you think? Oh, this is what I've always done. Um, it took me a few years to really uh, um, uh, get to where this was all I was doing. So, But uh, from the time I was out of high school, yeah, you know, I just you know, kind of worked odd jobs and temporary jobs because I knew this was what yeah. I wanted to do, you know. So. Yeah. So I guess my question more is that, 
you know, how has it changed in terms of just just being a musician and not even just recording, but like, you know, how long, you know, because you've been touring, I'm assuming, since the get-go, one way or no, another. No, not that much, actually. I did a lot of touring uh, the years that I was uh, um, playing with Dave Alvin, and it's really been kind of sporadic before yeah. that and after that. Touring's an expensive thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know... Now, yeah, the last five or six years, I've sort of been limited to, you know, not any sort of a, you know, full scale tours, but, you know, we went up to Canada for kind of a long weekend in January. I was in Texas twice, I think, in March and April. I think I would rather have been in Texas in January and then Canada once the weather You don't always get to pick your, yeah, I know, Um, but, uh, um, uh, but yeah, so it's it's usually been that sort of a thing, a week or so at a time here and there, yeah. um, and uh, um, you know I've been up in Northern California a couple of times in the last few weeks or or month or so. Do you go out with your band? Uh, it depends. I do a lot of different uh, um, things with a band are probably a little bit more difficult. So uh, we were in Arizona last year about this time, and. Uh, um, and then certainly things around Southern California. A lot of the out-of-town stuff I've done has been uh, um, either solo or as a duo. Yeah. Uh, the trip to um, uh, Canada, we actually had a full band. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. So it's different. It's kind of yeah. different all the time. The touring is very logistically complicated. There are a lot of things to try to anticipate and a lot of... A lot of details. I mean, if you don't, have, especially if you don't have a tour manager, someone who's managing all those details, it can become overwhelming very, very quickly. It's a big job. It's a big, big job booking it. You know, taking care of the details and all of this stuff that you know has to be taken care of before you can get up on stage and play the guitar. You know? Yeah, exactly. So. so let's hear something else from Rick Shea. This is also from Shelter Valley Blues. Uh, this is another track. This is called uh, "Steady Driving Man." Tell me just a little bit about this tune. Is there is there a, what's the story behind this? Oh, there's uh, not too much of a story. This is a song that I wrote, but uh, it's uh, I'm a I've been a a big fan of Jimmy Rogers, you know, for a long, long time. This features a little bit of Jimmy Rogers, my version of uh, a little bit of Jimmy Rogers style yodeling, and uh, my version of a little bit of or my attempt at a little bit of Doc Watson style guitar playing. Do you love the Doc? Yeah, with uh, Keith Keith Barry featured also on uh, on the clarinet uh-huh. on this. So. so okay, so you're listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. I am your host every Wednesday. This is a special Tuesday edition with the exemplary guitar player Rick Shea. This is something from his 2009 record Shelter Valley Blues, Steady Driving Man from Rick Shea. You know what? 
on Independence Day, and that is his track, Steady Driving Man from Shelter Valley Blues from 2009. We have him here in the studio. He has brought a guitar. We're going to have him play some songs here in just a minute. But first, we're going to talk about your guitar playing, because it's one thing that really attracted to me. It's what got me to ask you to be on the show here tonight. And, you know, you've got such a facile touch on the instrument. Uh, You know, so many players... Uh, they kind of manhandle the guitar, but it seems to me when you play, you know, you have got kind of a light touch, or if you don't, it certainly comes off as as such. Um, you know, who who are the people that got you into like? Because you know, you, of course, you yourself, you're your own player. You've been playing for a very very long time, but who are the people that inspired you to play? That kind of led you to the instrument. Boy, uh, I just liked the guitar from the beginning, and I'm trying to think of what I listened to at first. You know, bands like the Buffalo Springfield and the Rolling Stones and the Grateful Dead. And then as I began to, you know, play in country um, bands and country bars. uh, And then, you know, I mean, even before that, very early on, I I, I began to, you know, listen to 
um, folk music. You know, Doc Watson was, uh, I just, uh, I, I fell in love with Doc Watson and his guitar playing, you know, when I first heard that. Um, Can you do his kind of finger style thing that he does? Well, he's a flat picker. Oh, that's right. He is a flat picker, isn't he? I, I, I keep forgetting. And that's kind of what I was trying to kind of trying to do yeah. a little bit of my version of in that song um, um, uh, that we just played but uh, um, uh, I I can't really do anything he's a he's a tremendous guitar player I can do you know kind of a, a you know my version of it I, I suppose yeah. but uh, um, but uh, as I listen to country music I mean, I mean the you know Roy Nichols and James Burton and and um, you know, uh, some of the great country, you know, Telecaster. The meat and potatoes Telecaster players. Yeah, I mean, they, they're just such great guitar players, and uh, I think I tend to hit the guitar pretty hard a lot of the time. But, uh, um, you know, I, I try and approach it differently for different, you know, uh, to get a different effect out of it, you know. Um, yeah. When I listen to those old... You know, uh, recordings, Merle Haggard recordings, and I hear those guys playing the guitar. They don't sound to me like they're really the sound from that guitar. It doesn't sound like they're hitting it very hard. Uh-huh. It sounds like it, it's a fairly light touch to get that sound. And when I've done that, it's, it seems like that's the closest that I get to that sound. Yeah. So uh, you know, I I think it's you know being able to work you know you know um, you know back and forth between the two is what I. I yeah. kind of find that I end up doing, you know. It's it's the hallmark of a mature musician is becoming self-aware of what you're playing and like being able to kind of move around it and, and adjust it instead of just being, well, this is what I do. Um, you kind of come to a point, at least I've found, where you're self-aware and you know, okay, well, then maybe, maybe this requires, I mean, not just a different type of guitar for this particular track on this particular song. It's a different approach. I will approach that guitar differently. And... Um, you know, as a, you know, as as a guitarist producer using Nashville strung guitars, or you know, you bring all these elements in, and like even down to playing, um, like you said, harder on one song, lighter on another, because the guitar, the timbre of the instrument will change based on how you play it. That's the beauty of the guitar to me. I mean, that's a, that's what uh, makes it such a versatile instrument, and uh, I, I can't think of any other instrument that. Uh, um, you know, as many different people can play and just get an entirely different sound out yeah. of, from acoustic instruments to jazz instruments to, you know, electric guitars and country music to rock and roll. The variety of sounds from a guitar to me is just amazing. And it's, and it all really, I mean, there's not that many different instruments or, or, yeah. or you know, a lot of it. It's, it's just an instrument that uh, you can uh, approach on a, you know, it, it responds on a personal level, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. Well, and, it was once alive. You know, it's one thing I've always loved about, you know, guitars and, of course, pianos and other wooden instruments share this. But, you know, electronic instruments, unless they're, you know, even if they're maybe there's like a little wood end piece or something. But like guitars, you know, that was a living thing I, at one I point. I try and respect that. I know exactly what you mean. I think I told you earlier that I'm just finishing up building a guitar uh-huh, for which the is first a, which time. Which is an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, um, it's, it's a big job, but, uh, um, it, you know, kind of renewed my respect for, you know, just the fact that these, you know, instruments were living things. You know, yeah. they were they they it was a living thing at one time. Absolutely. So. so also a living thing, songs, which are one of my favorite things in the entire world. You're a great songwriter, you're a great singer, 
uh, great player as well. So I see you've brought a wonderful old Martin. This is a D18, and uh, I'd love for you to play something for us. Will you, would you t- tell us what you're going to play, maybe? I hadn't thought about it, but uh, um, let me do... Uh, this is a song called um, Ty Robbie. It's... Uh, this is a kind of an older Irish fellow. This is a song I wrote for the new album, and it's uh, it's the point of view of an older Irish fellow uh, looking back on his life after having traveled to the gold fields in California. And uh, I tagged on this little cattle call sounding refrain on this that it was something I imagined he uh, he he would have heard or may have heard you know him traveling across the plains and across the desert. This is Ty Robbie. Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie. Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie, Ty Dark is the hollow, deep is the pine. With a lonesome old whippoorwill calls There was once that I thought I had nothing but time Back when I stood straight and tall Back when I stood straight and tall You tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie Tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie Robbie Ty, Robbie Tyrone Away on the water and out on the plains Through deserts too hot to believe Coloma's where men were staking their claims Between black legs and swindlers and thieves Black legs and swindlers and thieves So I buried my hands in a cold mountain stream And found gold at my colony hill I was chasing the ghost of the old Spanish dream And caught a thirst that no liquor could kill I caught a thirst that no liquor could kill You tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie Robbie, Ty, Robbie, Ty, Robbie, Ty, Robbie, Ty, Robbie, Ty, Well, a fool and his money will quickly part ways, and a fool I shall evermore be. Gambling and whoring and drinking for days, shit faced and too blind to see. Faced and too blind to see Oh Maggie, sweet Maggie, I've nothing but shame I'm just a drunk with his last dollar bill They say that in love no one's ever to blame I hear your voice calling me still I hear your voice calling me still Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie, Ty Robbie, Ty 
Robbie tie, Robbie tie, oh, oh, oh. Robbie tie, Robbie tie, oh. Now the leaves may have fallen, and the waters run dry, but the moon it still shines up above. It shimmers and sparkles with silver and gold In the night like a bright shining dove In the night like a bright shining dove You tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie Tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie Tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie Robbie, tie, Robbie, tie, Robbie, tie, Robbie. Tie, Robbie, tie, Robbie, tie, Robbie. Tie, Robbie, tie, Robbie, tie, Robbie. Very nice. That is Rick Shea on Independence Day. We've got him here live in the studio. We are on Lancer Radio, which is 89.1 FM and more than likely streaming live at lancerradio.org for those of you who are technically savvy. And we've got the legion of fans spread out across this beautiful land of ours. If you're listening in the central time zone, I hope your weather is better than ours. Pasadena is a wee bit chilly today for Southern California. I pay a lot of money for this weather, and I feel like if I wanted to live in Seattle, I would have just moved to Seattle. Although I really shouldn't complain. It's been a cold and wet uh, winter, but... um I don't know. I, yeah, I when I when I did feel like complaining to anybody else yeah. anywhere around the country or anywhere else around the world, um, they always had worse weather. So yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I think the problem is my memory is too good coming coming from Chicago area that I I I have so many memories of such horrible weather that I mean this is great. You know, I just all I have to do is remind myself, center myself, okay, it's always better here. Always. Even if it's raining sideways at forty miles an hour, it's it's going to be better than probably it is in Chicago. Never, and I love it my never lasts is the big thing. I mean the yeah. weather the, you'll get some weather in Southern California, but it just it won't last long and then you'll be yeah. back to yeah. sunshine and seventy eight or eighty degrees, you know. Yeah. So. I just I guess you know, th- there is there are changes of seasons here. There is winter. There are some deciduous trees that lose their leaves. I mean, of course, we have flowers all winter long that are you know irrigated, and everything is green. It's greenest season. That's the funniest thing about out here is it's greenest in the winter time. Um, but uh, my memory, I guess, is just too good, and I I, I I pay to live here, and I want more sunshine, and I'm I'm feeling a lack of it this week. Maybe I'm just inside too much. Maybe that's the problem. So it's life, been cold. I life, agree. It's been cold. So that was a that was a wonderful song, kind of blending. Uh, do you have Irish heritage? Or, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Oh, did, you, did you drop? It's Shea? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, no uh, O'Shea, I guess. Well, uh, the story, as I understand it, is uh, the uh, Shea and O'Shea go back to Ireland and for reasons that uh, i am heard a couple of different versions of the story, but uh, the um, certain families dropped the O and certain families kept it, but it's still... It's a very Irish name. It's still very popular, or I wouldn't say popular, but common. Yeah. It's fairly common. It's maybe, maybe as common as the name like Smith here yeah. in the States. So. Have you been to Ireland? I have one time. I, uh, um, I've i been to the UK a number of times. I was there last year in March. It looks like I may be there again in uh, late June and uh, July, and I may be uh, making uh, doing a few shows in Ireland. 
I hope uh, it's kind of all being worked out right now. Who, uh, who does your booking for you? Um, or do I, you do it yourself? Yeah, I, I, I basically do it all myself. I, um, you know, I, I'll, I have a number of different people that I can contact, and some people might, you know, be able to make arrangements for a few shows here or there, but uh, I, I don't have a booking agent or yeah. anything like that. Well, so. it cuts out the middleman. It saves you a lot of trouble. You can do it yourself. It's money, someone you don't have to pay. It does, but it's it's also a lot of work, you know. So, oh, it certainly um, is. You know, so, so would you? That, that song was fantastic, and I really enjoyed it. This, the guitar sounds great. Would you play us another song? I will. Um, let me do... Uh, this is a song I like to do. It goes back... It's kind of my... Wife's family is... Spanish, and so I can consider myself kind of Mexican-Irish. So the chorus on this song is a, comes from a phrase that I used to hear my father-in-law use when he would uh, come over to the house with his, uh, my mother-in-law's wife. And uh, like a lot of families, they spoke Spanish to each other and not so much to the, uh, um, to the kids. And I used to hear him use this phrase when he was uh, speaking, to, speaking to her, his wife, he would say... ¿Qué más quieres? ¿Qué más puedo hacer? It means, what more do you want? What else can I do? So that's the name of this song is ¿Qué más quieres? If you want me to, I'll beg Girl, you caught me in a lie Some little foolish thing I said Oh, honey, I apologize Please forgive and forget Que mas quieres Que mas puedo hacer Tell me what do you want Baby, please hear my prayers. You came as quieres, came as puedo hacer. Let me prove that I love you. Let me prove that I care. Say, que mas quieres? 
más puedo hacer? Tell me what do you want? Baby, please hear my prayers. ¿Y qué más quieres? ¿Qué más puedo hacer? Let me prove that I love you. Let me prove that I care. ¿Y qué más quieres? ¿Qué más puedo hacer? Tell me what do you want? Baby, please hear my prayers. ¿Y qué más quieres? ¿Qué más puedo hacer? Let me prove that I love you. Let me prove that I care. Yes, Rick Shea on Independence Day doing his part for marital harmony. <laughs> does it work? Does your does your uh, does your wife like does, does she listen when you play that tune? Does she does she play along? I guess I should say. Um, she my wife is a wonderful sport. She's put up with uh, um, uh, being married to a musician for uh, many many years now, which and- should require which should basically. Um, Put someone up for sainthood unto itself. I it, think. I, I think she deserves a lot of credit, and I try and give it to her as often as I can. So. Yes, but you're not out on the road a lot these days, right? You're kind of. Around. I have been a lot uh, this year. Um, I mean, not not for you know, like I said, not for you know, weeks at a time or anything like that. But uh, it's 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 kind of it'll be a busy year. It's been a, a busy couple of years and everything. But how many uh, uh, how many dates do you think you're averaging these days per year? Oh gosh, or I, per month even. You know, break it down however you like. It depends because I, I do so many different things. I mean, if you included, you know, you know, recording sessions and things like that, I, you know, I, I really do play music, you know, at least two or three times a week, I'd say, different things, you know, sometimes more often than that. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I can, I, I seem to stay pretty busy with it, I guess. Yeah. And when you see the band live, you're generally playing your telly. Uh, I, I mean, oh yeah, the, that's that's the only guitar that I've ever. I, in fact, I've had yeah. one. I haven't. I have two guitars now. Actually, a friend of mine, um, uh, Mark Geiger, built me a guitar just last year. But up until then, it was the same Telecaster that I've been playing for twenty years or more. Yeah. So, like an old friend. Um, it's yeah, it's a very comfortable guitar, and I was surprised at how. Uh, how you know? Yeah, uh, my as I, fr- I said, my friend Mark built me a beautiful guitar, and I'm playing it. But it's taken a bit of time just to get adjusted to playing a different instrument, and it's yeah. and it's a, and it's a great guitar. But just it's it's just a little bit unfamiliar, you know. So. Yeah, music gear, especially the type the type of gear that you play and the type that I play. You know, old tube amps, you know, tube amps, and you know, re- guitars that are some have character to them. You almost develop a relationship with them, and you have kind of like good days and bad days. And people who don't know the instrument or know the amp wouldn't know what you're talking about when you said that. But you know, I'll show up at a gig and flip on my old deluxe reverb, and there are particularly there are days where I can just sense that she's angry with me. 
and I don't know why. I don't know what I've done. Maybe it's barometric pressure. You know, tube amps are kind of cantankerous, but they but when they're sweet, it makes up for all of that. At least that's what I found. They sound different in every setting. Everything does. Uh, every room, just the you know, there's there's a lot of things that affect the sound. Um, you know, just the as you said, the you know the temperature, the you know yeah. humidity, the number of people in the room has a tremendous. Uh, effect on uh, um, on the way the room is going to sound, and 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 that that affects everything. I, I hear, you know, all the changes, and but the the thing that I like about the amps that I use, the old Fender amps and stuff, is, you know, even if they're, you know, if, if things are sounding a little bit strange for some reason to me, I know that they're, uh, un, you know, unbelievably reliable. So. Right. You know, at some point in the room, I know that the correct sound is out. There. Right, and we're you know we're tone people, so we're maybe talking about the last five percent of this tone that we know is maybe a little amiss. But other people are going to hear the same thing from day to day. Most folks I know, when I have showed them, like friends, I've had friends over and said, "Oh, there's something up with my, you know, something up with my Vox." And you know, can you hear that? Can you hear that pinging? And they look at me incredulously. I've no, you know, they have no idea what I'm talking nah, about. But so, it's there. Do you have a preference? Um, you know. Do you have a preference between acoustic guitar, electric guitar? Do you approach them as different instruments? Like, what do you have one that you just? I have a couple of Martin guitars that I. Oh, I have three Martin guitars. Uh, um, I have this guitar, D eighteen, and a D thirty five, and I kind of go back and forth uh, between those, which one I might be playing the most at any any one time. And it's just you know they have different characteristics, and uh, um, I like you know, the characteristics of both, you know, but, yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll switch between those. And then the other one is more of a stage guitar. It's, it's thinner bodied and it's, it works a little bit better if I'm playing with an electric band. So, or, you know, sometimes I'll take that, you know, if I'm touring or something. And then I have, you know, a few other guitars, a nylon string guitar. I've got, uh, um, you know, a few different steel guitars, pedal steel, a few different non-pedal guitars. Uh, and for those in the audience, you know, pedal steel, you know, you sit at it almost as if it were a table. It's a big instrument in country inst- country music, and it's very a very complicated instrument to play. Did you start out pretty young playing steel, or did I you... did, yeah. Um, it, Are you a double neck guy? No, well, no. I have a I have one Fender double neck, but it's a non-pedal guitar. But okay. my my pedal steel, I have a single neck. And uh, I never wanted to make the leap to a double neck. Uh, I just didn't want to carry around that much more. And your tuning on your single neck is? It's standard E9. E9. Very, very standard tuning. And, and to me, that's 90% or more of what you hear of, from the instrument is, is from that tuning. And, and, and it's, that's, that's to me is most of what steel guitar is. I mean, I love the C6 tuning and, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to hear somebody that can really play in that, but, uh, um, E9 is, you know, I mean, it says, you know, about 90% of it. So. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a, my, uh, my old guitar player, Tyler, great friend, great guitar player. He was a steel player too. And he, he, you know, I, we made a deal because I would always want him to bring his steel and play it at shows, but he hated setting the thing up, so I made a deal with him. If you let me hold on to your steel and bring it to shows, I'll set it up, and then all you have to do is sit down and play it. And he said, okay, that's a deal. So he would leave it at my house, and I would set it up from time to time in my living room and try to, you know, I feel like I'm a fairly accomplished musician, but I didn't really dedicate the time to it. But I never really 
maybe if I just dedicated the time, I would have figured it out. But like I would sit there and it would be with, you know, with the pedals moving and, and different players can set up their pedals to, you know, their, their levers and their pedals to do different things. And suddenly you get the volume control going and then you put the picks on your fingers. And it just seemed like it got really complicated really fast. And I never, I, I kind it's, of lost uh, heart for it. I, I, when I try and explain it to people, I think if you've got a background in guitar, really on any instrument, but especially guitar, it, it comes from guitar. And the, the, the guys, I mean, the, the tuning was pretty much uh, set from about the late 1950s on. And up to that point, it developed, you know, along, you know, from guitar players, you know. So yeah. I think, you know, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't hard to understand what was there, to see what was there from a guitar point of view. But uh, there's, it's, 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 there's, it's pretty intensive as far as just, you know, you're playing much in a much different way. You know, it's horizontal for one thing. The strings no are much close. Yeah, the strings are is a very deal. close together, and you really do have to manage the thumb pick and the two finger picks. So there's, there's quite a, there's a pretty big learning curve as far as that goes, and it's, it's. But it's just like anything. It's really just spending the time with it, you know. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I I lost heart because it didn't it didn't you know I've I've heard steel. I mean, so much of my music has steel all over it, and I I think maybe that was my challenge is that I hear what I'm trying to do, and and like I musically I know what they're doing, but then trying to get my fingers who've been playing guitar and mandolin and other instruments for years and years and years to like switch to that tuning with the the intonation and then the the moving this and the that and it was just too much. So it's a different maybe someday. I'm, I'm, it's not over yet. It's a very it's a finesse instrument. You yeah. know, I mean, you can certainly play the guitar with finesse and and get a beautiful sound out of it. But you can also just hit a guitar. You can bash on a guitar and get yeah. a very cool. Lots rock of guys sound. have gone all yes. the way to the bank doing just that. So I mean, you, there's many many different ways to approach the guitar. Um, I don't see that in the steel guitar at all. The steel guitar is really a finesse instrument, you know, uh, from beginning to end to me, you know, it's just, it really, it, it does have to be played a, a kind of a certain way and approached a certain way. Are you, are you a Buddy Miller fan at all? Yeah, tremendous uh, fan of Buddy Miller. I knew Buddy, uh, you know, a little bit when he was still out here and have played with him, you know, it's been quite a few years, but through Dave Alvin, you know, I, uh, we, you know, I, I played a bit with him, and Buddy's, yeah, he's a tremendous musician, big Buddy Miller fan, and I'm so happy to see him. You know, he's 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 got his due for a while, but he's really the past few years, you know, then plus he had the heart attack business, but he's really, you know, with a Robert, with that started with the. Uh, what was he doing? Well, we'd start Buddy and Julie, of course, but then the the tour with. Um, the uh, the T Bone Burnett thing with Allison Krauss and Robert Plant, like he yeah. was, the, he was like the touring guy, and that led him to the Band of Joy thing, the band with him and Robert Plant and Patty Griffin, and it's like he's really become this go to guy, the like the coolest guy in Nashville, the coolest guy on stage, and tremendous musician, tremendous, tremendous musician. guitar player, singer, uh, songwriter. Yeah, he just he really does it all. Records, produces, yeah. Buddy is 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 an um, an amazing, amazing guy. So yeah. So, but I would like to do. I mean, that was kind of a non sequitur, I guess. But I'd like it. Would you play one more song for us before yeah, be we have to, to wrap things mm-hmm. up here? I'd like you. I'd love for you to play. You know, grace us with another tune. You know, pick something. Yeah, I see you've got a. You should see. He's got this giant list of probably. I'm looking at. It. He's probably well. got sixty songs on this uh, on this set list here. Only because I don't trust my memory. Uh, I do that too, especially when I'm going camping and I take my guitar up to Yosemite or wherever because, you know, I invariably I'll fall in with some folks and be sitting around the campfire and then they'll say, well, what do you know how to play? And I've played a thousand 
10,000 songs in my life, but then all of a sudden it's deer in the head. That's that deer in the headlights moment where it's like, oh, yeah. Um, where's my list? Where's my list? And I'll just go pick it up. And then once it once it starts rolling, it starts rolling. This is a song called Walking to Jerusalem. to Jerusalem my head is hanging low 40 miles behind me I got 40 miles to go I don't know where I'm traveling I don't know what I'll find but each step takes me further from the ones I left behind Mother, hear me call. Sister, hear my cry. The hills rise up before me. Shadows fill the sky. I'm walking to Jerusalem. I'm walking all alone. I'm walking to Jerusalem. Try to find my way home to Jerusalem my head is hanging low 40 miles behind me I got 40 miles to go I don't know where I'm traveling I don't know what I'll find but each step takes me further from the ones I left behind Mother, hear me calling. Sister, hear my cry. The hills rise up before me. Shadows fill the sky. I'm walking to Jerusalem. I'm walking all alone. I'm walking to Jerusalem. Trying to find my way home
Very, very nice, Mr. Shea. I can't thank you enough for bringing this guitar and playing these really, really great songs for us. It's been a pleasure. Us. Thank you, Joe. And, and I love, uh, I love, I always love a song in triple meter. And if I'm correct, you played two of the three songs you played tonight were in I triple, guess so. triple yeah, meter. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the waltz. Every, any, any six, three, call it what you want. I love yeah. it anytime. So I'm looking at your schedule here. Let me just give you a little plug for what's going on. If people want to hear about you and what you're up to, uh, they can go to www.rickshea.net. That's your website, correct? Which is mm-hmm. uh, R-I-C-K-S-H-E-A, the pretty, pretty traditional spelling. Yep. Just uh, are like you the stadium. On, are you on? Exactly. That's that's very good. Are you on? Uh, are you on Facebook or any of that kind of stuff? I am on Facebook, and uh, I'm usually pretty easy to find either through the website or on Facebook. And I have the schedule of uh, um, things I'll be playing. I think the next uh, show I have coming up is um, at Cafe Three Two Two. On uh, June 8th, I believe. Are you not doing the, the Molly Malone's thing? I've got. Uh, uh, I've I think the, Molly Malone's fifth... is being rescheduled. Oh, it's being rescheduled. Yes. Okay. So I, I just took that off the website today. So uh, Wow, you did that since I looked at the website today. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty fast, yeah. So uh, um, I just got a notice about that just uh, just the other day. So um, Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at your schedule. You've got the Cafe 322, which is a really great place to go see your. It's a, it's a comfortable room. It's a nice sized room. You guys, you know, you guys play well in there. It sounds nice. I had I myself saw you play up there. Uh, then you've got on June 10th. You've got something called Wigstock. Tell us just a wee bit about that. That's uh, um, that's. I think it's a. I'm not sure if it's a completely private affair or not. It's a, sort of a class reunion. Actually, my class. And uh, um, they're having a few different bands, and they've asked me to play. It's at the Wigwam Motel out, I believe it's in Rialto, along uh, what was the old Route 66. I don't know cool. if you've ever seen pictures of it. It's an yeah, old yeah, yeah. motel with the rooms shaped like teepees. So that's yeah, where, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, they did kind of a bigger thing last year, and the same people have decided to do something this year. So. Um, that's uh, that, and I'm not sure what else I have scheduled. Well, you've got uh, Cinema local. Bar, Culver City. That's in Culver City. Great place to play a band. Great place to play and a great place to see a band. That's June 24th in Culver City. Although June- that might get rescheduled because I may be leaving. It looks right now like I'll probably be leaving for Europe on uh-huh. the 22nd. Cool. So the cinema bar will probably be scheduled maybe sometime after that. Yeah, so. I, I'm envious. I, I wish I was going to Europe to play. So Rick Shea, I can't thank you enough for spending time coming in and bringing this wonderful guitar, bringing your your love and passion for music, and spending time with us here, sharing it with everybody in our listening audience. It really, really means a lot that you came out tonight. Thank it's you. It's been very, a real pleasure. Much. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much for having me be a guest. Absolutely. Here. And like I said, this this has been a Tuesday night edition of Independence Day. Normally, we are on every Wednesday on Lancer Radio from seven to 8 p.m. We bring you the finest musicians in Los Angeles and beyond to talk about making music and what it's like to be a musician in 2011. It's pretty it's pretty complicated. It always has been complicated, and I think it's somehow it's got even more complicated. So uh, let's see. Next week on Independence Day, which will be back on our regular Wednesday, uh, we're back to our regular Wednesday schedule with Ross Flournoy, who will join us to talk about his new band, Apex Manor. Thanks to Rick Shea, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski, and to Valentino Rivera and engineer Will Beeston from Lancer Radio. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Be good to one another. I think I'd like to go back home and take it easy. There's a woman that I'd like to get to know. A living there Everybody seems to wonder What it's like